When we talk about building the world's best theme parks, that usually means working with some wildly popular IP. But you can build great attractions from original ideas, too. Working with an established franchise does give developers a head start in that audience will already know and love its characters and settings, but starting from scratch gives designers the freedom to establish that emotional relationship, to create a space that will endure as the heart and focus of fans' enthusiasm, instead of just being an extension of that. So who's making major attractions based on original concepts these days? Actually, Universal Studios just did it. With Volcano Bay, Universal created an entire park without using a single one of its many owned or licensed franchises. And it's been a hit, with attendance in its first partial year of operation on pace to make Volcano Bay the most popular water park in America this year. How did Universal do it? I sat down with Dale Mason, Vice President and Executive Art Director at Universal Creative, to find out. Dale talked about how he and his team developed the story, characters, and concepts that helped define Volcano Bay and convince Universal Management to build this park. He also addressed the challenge of staying on the right side of the divide between cultural inspiration and appropriation when designing attractions. And Dale and I talked about the importance of crafting a backstory to ensure the authenticity of any theme park or attraction. So let's get to it, and welcome Dale to the podcast. Thanks for joining us here today, Dale. Um, Glad to be here. You and your team had an opportunity to do something that seems to be becoming rare in major theme parks, to develop a narrative from scratch without using any existing franchise. But without a head start for the audience, without that known franchise, mm -hmm. how do you create something that guests will find you know, accessible and engaging? Well, um, I've actually had quite a few opportunities at Universal to do that. It is mm -hmm. rare, but I've been pretty lucky all the way back from uh, doing Steven Spielberg's dive restaurants uh, early on yeah. and uh, a lot of stuff uh, in the uh, Japan park. What I think is really interesting is that if you have an IP, what you're really trying to do is remind people of the things that they love. Mm -hmm. And when you uh, don't have an IP and you're creating it yourself, you're actually trying to create that moment that they will then love and come back. Mm -hmm. So yeah, how do you get started with this? I mean, what kind of cultural or field research did you and your team do in developing the story of Volcano Bay? So the story of Volcano Bay began about probably six years prior to actually, actually beginning the construction and our design development and construction. We began with a very quick five-page brief that we thought was really strong, the basic premise of the Waturi people, and which weren't even named that at that time, mm -hmm. coming to the island uh, and bringing all this culture. And we put that on the shelf, right? Um, and, and waited uh, until the time was right and it was time to do this water park. And then we began in earnest the, uh, the, the sort of design development and research. Did a lot of reading, obviously, in books. My team did a lot of research that way. We spent time uh, at the Museum of Natural History in New York, where there's an amazing uh, exhibit on the Pacific Rim and, and all the cultures that come together. I had done a lot of extensive travel through uh, the Pacific Rim, New Zealand, uh, actually for uh, for work even uh, before the project, and uh, and uh, Hawaii and and all the islands and Tahiti and Bali and all of that. And I took my team uh, for uh, actually one trip uh, to Bali, uh, so we got a chance to uh, 
What a struggle. <laughs> what a sacrifice. It's, it's, it is the most toughest job I've ever done, actually. <laughs> For people who weren't following along a year ago when Volcano Bay opened and we covered this extensively, <laughs> give us the uh, you know, 60, 90 second overview of the backstory of Volcano Bay and the history of the Waturi people. So there's two levels to, to this backstory. There is the story of the Waturi who uh, were out seeking a, a new home. Uh, they were out upon the sea seeking a new home. And uh, as they journeyed uh, through uh, the Pacific Rim in Polynesia, they hit upon all of these different islands and locations. And there they made friends. They brought pieces of the culture with them. Um, and there was a legend that said um, you could only find this with the help of this beautiful golden finned fish called Kanuku. Mm -hmm. And they searched for Kanuku forever and, and a day until they sailed to the end of the earth. And there waiting for them was Kanuku. And uh, the children dove in and said, uh, and played with Kanuku in the waves. And she said, you are ready, turned, follow me. And within a day, they came to the edge of the shores of Volcano Bay, this amazing mythical uh, mountain of fire by night and water by day. Mm -hmm. And you know that's the big mm, encompassing story. And then we layer in uh, additional stories like the origin story, even for the island itself, the story of Krakatau and, and Kala and Tanui and how, how he brought the sky and the sea together with this amazing mountain, and that's the volcano. Mm -hmm. um, so guests may never get all of that bits and pieces, but we have it, and, and it's intuitive in how they feel as they wander the space. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, you've got all these Pacific Island cultures in there, but I mean, how do you walk the line between creating something that would be accessible to, to visitors without crafting something that might seem insensitive? Right. Basically, how do you walk the line between cultural inspiration and cultural appropriation yes. as a theme park designer? You know, it's, it, it, it is very important to make sure that you're not making the mistakes mm -hmm. as you as you pull all the pieces together and you want to make sure that you honor uh, um, the cultures but we also don't want to go too deep one of the reasons why we have pulled all this the cultural elements together is uh, so that we don't focus too deeply in one place right. and, uh, and and it allows us kind of a much broader view of it all uh, uh, you know a, a 30,000 foot view of it all we also by the way we um, we talk to cultural experts to make sure we're not stepping over the line. Um, there's an incredible amount of work that goes into making sure we're, we're making the right decisions. Tell us a little bit about why developing this type of backstory is important to making a physical space feel authentic, even if guests never hear the word Waturi right. during their yeah. entire time at Volcano Bay. There's kind of two sides to it. Mm -hmm. there's, um, there's the design side to it. And so we create a backstory so that everybody on the project has a roadmap. Mm -hmm. um, and so even the accountants or schedulers or everybody understands what the story is. And so it allows them to, whatever it is they're doing, move in the same path uh, towards the end result. So there's backstory is obviously it's, it's, it's this great roadmap that we use. But it's also so important at various levels to the guest. There's the big wide picture um, that everybody sees, and then we layer things in uh, at, at various layers. We've got the Waturi story. We have the backstory here of Krakatau and Kala and Tanui, and you will never know that, right? But our guest is pretty smart. Mm -hmm. um, they get it, and they, there's a what I call a persistence of vision. 
they can connect the dots visually and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, even emotionally without knowing the story. And if something's askew or awry or different, they uh, know it. So it's, it's, it's all about, uh, and I'll use the term again, persistence of vision right. for the guest. Right. So. Well, you have to understand the character's motivation. If the character is the designer who's building this uh, <laughs> you know, volcano, you need to have a motivation for that, don't you? Yeah. Now, the cynic might say here, I mean, a water park, a water park, excuse me, ultimately is all about playtime. So how much narrative can you put into a water park before you start, you know, kind of losing guests with all of this story? <laughs> and and is, is a water park different than other theme parks in, in, in that? I think on this project, we really started out with a different thought. Hmm. We do call this a water theme park, right? right? Um, uh, and so... Is there ever too much narrative? Uh, only if we hit you over the head with it. Oh, yeah, if it's yeah. if it's there as an encompassing thought and sits in the background and the layers can be discovered if you really want to, mm-hmm. um, then I think you're really successful. Water parks are all about fun and play. And uh, to um, me, I felt it was important to have a much stronger narrative in this than you would probably find in a, in a traditional water park. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not someone that I would consider myself a water park fan. I'm a theme park fan, but I love Volcano Bay. And I think one of the reasons is, is the placemaking, is the fact that I don't feel like I'm in a water park. But I can do the stuff that people do in a water park, and it's this happy medium that I didn't know I needed until I had it. Um, <laughs> I yeah. love that. That's great. Well, but so it, it sounds like that that was the intent, though, to, to, to reach out to that type of audience. We did, and yes, that it was the intent. Um, in this whole process, I mean, what was your aha moment when you realized that this whole thing might actually work and <laughs> this whole mythology might come together? I mean, and, and what triggered that moment? Well, I have to tell you, I, I, from the first brief that we put together mm-hmm. and the first couple of images, I actually sat and built a very quick model of the park six years ago, mm-hmm. um, a, a three-dimensional model of the park. I stood back and I said, oh, this is something we have to do. Yeah. And so and, and I knew that it was going to work. But there were there are a couple of moments in which I stood back and said, oh, man, this is going to be amazing. And one is when we completed the quarter inch uh, clay model of the volcano and the rockwork. And, you know, we had put little tiny grain of wheat lights all over it. And I had was laying on my back and carving up still inside. Still doing the practical right, model. Still doing the practical. Very incredibly important. More important than anyone will ever imagine. But. Sliding out of the middle of that model, turning off the lights, turning around and looking at the volcano at quarter inch scale and going, oh yeah, this, <laughs> is, this is going to be amazing. And then the third aha moment, honestly, was in construction when we stood in the wave pool, turned on the pumps for the first time to start the major waterfall down the face of it to see if all of that work that we had done mm-hmm. Leading up to this point, if we had made all the right decisions in all that sculpting and carving and how much water and, and you know, how much work we were going to have to do to make some adjustments to make it work. And the crowd, all of the construction workers and everyone from the offices and everyone out here standing in the group and the water comes on and there's just this collective. Whoa. <laughs> you could just hear it. It was amazing. Because at that point, you really don't want that to fail. <laughs> that would be bad. Yes, that's right. Oh, my high goodness, risk, not, enough, not, enough, not enough water. Uh, oh, no, it's, it's all going over one side of the volcano. <laughs> you know, 
Um, so it's Universal's flooded. <laughs> I um, swear that theme park designers are probably the greenest people in the world because you are constantly recycling things. Uh, so now that Universal has this mythology for Volcano Bay, will you be looking for ways to reference it in other places, maybe even outside Volcano Bay? So the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Ah, but that's all that's I all can tell you. That's all you're going to say. Okay. <laughs> Let me get back kind of to the to, to circle back around to the origin of this. Now, now was this something where upper management decided, okay, we need a water park, or was this something where you had this along with a whole bunch of ideas and you were, you kind of brought it up to management. And how did this whole thing get started? How did you get to that initial treatment that you talked about? So that initial treatment was something that my creative team did on their own. Mm-hmm. We did it as sort of a, oh, if there was an opportunity to build a, a water park or a water theme park, what would we do? And we did this exercise that produced that, I think actually six page brief, mostly pictures and a little bit of text. Okay. And uh, so, uh, and then, obviously, we get an opportunity to, to show it up, uh, right, right. run it up the flagpole, as we say. And uh, it very quickly became something that even management back then said, you know what, we've got to find the time to do this. We've got to find the right place to do this. And so it was fantastic when I came off of Potter, um, uh, Diagon Alley, mm-hmm. to, um, to hear that, you know what, it's time now, let's do it. Yeah, because I think, uh, you know, particularly you mentioned Diagon Alley. I think that was a thing that, that showed to a lot of fans the power of what a truly immersive environment can be. That uh, and we were used to theme park attractions being, you know, these individual rides and shows that are kind of held together by this, you know, loosely decorated land. But the idea that this entire, um, this entire installation can be its own thing. Um, and then Volcano Bay, I think, takes that to another level. And that it's not like you have you know, little individual lands in Volcano Bay. The whole thing comes together to work as a whole, like like Diagon Alley yeah. is. Um, going forward, uh, talking to people who who you know might be interested in getting into this field, uh, you know, what are some of the tools that you need to bring to be able to develop this five six page treatment that <laughs> gets people in upper level management saying? Wow, uh, I, I, we've got to build that park. I mean, because that's that's power right there. Is is having an idea that makes people with a lot of money want to spend a lot of money to fulfill your vision. You know, it's uh, we're such an amazing diverse group uh, of of folks from people with writing backgrounds, people with uh, you know art backgrounds, design bar- backgrounds, theater backgrounds. I am a huge propo- proponent of people coming out of the uh, theater industry because there's so much that you learn as a theatrical designer or as a writer or as a performer uh, understanding how to put something together um, so uh, gosh um, believe mm-hmm. that you can do it and and uh, you know uh, and, and get out there and apply work on your skills yeah. um, could have put put a good portfolio together mm-hmm. um, find out what a good portfolio is Right, um, right, right. So, um, and, uh, and, you know, we're waiting for those people. Absolutely. Uh, and I love the point about theater because ultimately this is all, this is a great show. And uh, Volcano Bay especially is a really great show. Dale, thanks for joining us here today. We really appreciate the insight on building one of the world's best theme parks. And uh, 
good luck with all those future projects that you refuse to tell us about. And I hope that we get the opportunity to talk about them at some point in the future, too. I'm sure that we will. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you. Thank you.